One of the most critical innovations of online dating, and I think this is very important to consider, is that it allowed populations that historically had been stigmatized and are still stigmatized uh, to find romantic partners in a way that was safe and also efficient. So for a very, very long For the fifth time that month, you re-download Tinder. Maybe this time you'll find the one. You set up your profile and start swiping left and another left and another left left endlessly left there's a few rights sprinkled in but even when you do match with someone you start to question why you swiped right in the first place dating apps can make finding someone feel hopeless even if you connect with someone there's no guarantee that the conversation will make it past the first few messages in some ways, online dating has made it easier to meet our significant others, and in others, it feels like it's made it more difficult. My name is Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality, a podcast that explores how technology is shaping our future. Today, I'm swiping right on dating apps. Meet Dr. Jess Carboneau. I am the former sociologist for Tinder and Bumble. My time at Tinder was really probably the best uh, career time of my life, frankly. I was 28 years old. I was a PhD student at UCLA, finishing up my dissertation and swiping on all of the dating apps, trying to meet somebody and also for research as well, given that my dissertation research was about online dating and how people meet and mate. And I matched with Sean Rad, the founder, and had a job after 30 minutes that didn't exist. And I was a 25th employee. And at that time in 2014, you know, we were frankly just trying to keep the servers up because we had so many different people trying to use the app and we're launching in so many countries and that we only had really data on the number of men and women using the app at a given time. We didn't know really anything about our users until we started to collect data about them. And that's really where I came in to understand who our members were, what they wanted, what they were looking for, what they were doing to try to navigate a new world, which was and is still online dating for so many people. Wow, that's actually a really exciting way to get the job. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, it was quite the story and quite an amazing way to find my passion. Whether it's a friend you met on a forum or a potential partner you connected with on a dating app, there's a chance you've met someone from the internet in real life. It's normal nowadays. This wasn't always the case, though. In the early days of the internet, meeting someone in real life that you met online was often met with words of caution like, they might be a serial killer. The idea of meeting a romantic partner online seemed even more absurd, sometimes even shameful. But there were still dating sites, and people who were a little more comfortable online were using them. Eventually, ads like this would run on TV, targeting single, middle-aged people who could afford the internet. Honesty is a cornerstone of the eHarmony process. eHarmony was something that I could tell early on going through the process was going to be something special. The personality profile definitely reaches much deeper than typical matching sites. It's helped me find what I had been looking for. It took time for online dating to become normalized, but apps like Tinder and Bumble helped speed up the process. You joined Tinder then when it was still fairly new. It was kind of becoming a talking point in like the zeitgeist. Like people were just starting to kind of get more into online dating. I know it had been around for a while before Tinder, things like OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, but Tinder kind of changed the way we approach online dating. Well, I think that 
it is a very interesting way to consider online dating generally. So I think that the real magic of Tinder and the real sociological innovation for online dating generally as it emerged with the advent of apps like Tinder was that if we think about dating in two different phases, phase one, which is the match.coms, the jdates, the eHarmonies of the world, the okcupids of the world, these are sites that are based upon one-sided proffer. So an individual sees someone who they're interested in and they send a message, not knowing whether or not there's interest on the other side. There's also a very significant demographic issue associated with the phase one dating sites because these are primarily individuals who are older, white and affluent who were using them because they were paid-based sites and were being targeted towards individuals who had the capacity to pay for these sites. So I think fundamentally, there's a huge difference in terms of the demographics of individuals using sites during phase one versus apps in phase two. With Tinder, given that it was an app that was completely free, being targeted towards a younger population, it started out being targeted towards college students and then obviously more towards broader millennials in their 20s and 30s. It was being democratized heavily. It was being sent out to individuals and being publicized individuals of all racial and socioeconomic backgrounds. So I, I think fundamentally, Tinder changed the game in terms of opening up online dating to populations that have never used it before. If you look at data related to the individuals using online dating following the emergence of Tinder, you'll see that there is a roughly 2x increase in the number of individuals 18-24 using the apps and 3x increase um, for people using the apps between the ages of 55 and above. So it's, it's really remarkable if you're looking at the data to try to understand you know, these significant doubling or tripling, and I might be mixing up the doubling or tripling with the 18 to 24, but essentially a multiple X um, increase among these two different groups that have never used online dating historically. Uh, moreover, uh, it became people's first foray into this dating world. Uh, individuals who I talked with when I doing my dissertation work said to me that online dating was just, you know, a tool in their arsenal. But quickly, within the course of three years, it shifted to being the primary way individuals met their romantic partner and is now the number one way that individuals do meet their romantic partner for marriage and for romantic partnership formation generally. Fundamentally, Tinder was game-changing insofar as it led to a major increase in social learning among individuals about not only the existence of online dating, but the potential success of online dating. So people were essentially not just saying, you know, I use online dating, but I'm using online dating and I'm meeting really great people, or I met my boyfriend, or I met, you know, the person that I think I'm going to marry. So it, it really change the game significantly by broadening the population, by giving it efficacy in the minds of individuals that this could be an effective way to meet somebody. But also I think, and this is very critical, it shifted it from this one-sided proffer where somebody on the first phase of online dating apps would send out a message blindly, not knowing if there was reciprocity or interest by then letting people know, oh, no, there is a mutual interest because this person matched with me. I'm not acting blindly by sending them a message. I know that this is theoretically somebody who is interested in me and wants to get to know me better. Why do you think people shifted from not using it to it being probably one of the primary tools for people to meet their partners? I fundamentally believe that it shifted because of the efficiencies associated with it and the ability to meet people in a way that was 
simple and seemed less difficult, even though obviously we're quickly learning that online dating, like many other institutions by which people would connect historically, churches, synagogues, neighborhoods, educational institutions, uh, friends, family, they're all equally challenging. But I think that online dating presented people with a very strong mechanism by which they not only could have the ability to not rely on these third-party institutions to find somebody, even though online dating theoretically is the, the intermediaries or party here. Um, I think it also gave people this belief or sense that they had control, that they weren't out of control insofar as trying to go to a bar to meet somebody and relying on chance that they were able to, in their own hands, take control and say, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to look, I'm going to message. I'm going to go out on dates and search for somebody in a really meaningful way. So I think that having people believe that they are in control rather than subject to the whims of chance is really a very critical changing point and turning point in the online dating story. At the same time, I think we know also based upon the success that people experienced with online dating, that they were able to have it expand to populations that hadn't used it historically, like younger people and older people, because people were able to learn from friends and family members that this is a way that people can meet. So younger people who were interested in trying to, you know, put their foot into the online dating pool or the dating pool generally, because they really hadn't you know, dated significantly. They're young people um, or older people who had a very difficult time meeting somebody because most of their friends or family were partnered, took to it very significantly because they knew that it was a safe and successful mechanism by which people whom they liked and trusted and knew um, were able to find someone. After the break, how dating apps have changed the dating world, what the future holds, and some practical advice on how to improve your dating profile. Some people say that dating apps have ruined dating. Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge have been no help in helping them find someone. But really, it just doesn't feel good to be narrowed down to a photo and a few words. Granted though, when you really think about it, it's not that much different from trying to stand out at a bar when trying to pick someone up. It's rare nowadays to meet people of my age demographic, which is like 26, who aren't meeting people on Tinder. But it's also allowed people who want a relationship outside of like the heteronormative community to be able to find those people. I'd just love to hear about from your perspective how online dating has opened up a world of different partners that we haven't necessarily, that you just necessarily wouldn't have access to in your day-to-day life. One of the most critical innovations of online dating, and I think this is very important to consider, is that it allowed populations that historically had been stigmatized and are still stigmatized to find romantic partners in a way that was safe and also efficient. So for a very, very long time, individuals who did not identify with the binary or individuals who were not heterosexual looked to online forums to try to find partners, to try to find relationships. This is something that is certainly not a new development. Uh, There were many, many chat rooms and forums online prior to the advent of online dating that provided this capacity for people. Online dating, however, made it far more um, mainstream and far more likely for someone to be successful when they didn't identify with binary or were they when they weren't heterosexual to find a romantic partner. And a lot of my work at Tinder centered around helping individuals um, in the LGBTQ population find romantic partners. In fact, 
some of the research I'm most proud of was helping individuals who I didn't identify with the binary identify themselves in a manner that was authentic to them so that they could find a romantic partner. So when I was at Tinder, one of the most important works that I did engaged in was developing a mechanism by which individuals who didn't identify it with the binary could look for partners in a way that was efficient and also identify using terms that they felt were most authentic to themselves when trying to find a romantic partner, because these populations had been heavily discriminated against, obviously generally, but also, you know, there's very unique safety concerns associated with these populations and having Tinder and the capacity to meet somebody in a way that's safe and efficient is incredibly unique for these populations and incredibly important for them. So I feel really proud of that work. I think that's incredible work and an incredible part of the app that it just opens up these opportunities to people who otherwise have been marginalized or made fun of and oppressed because of just who they are as a person. It's like a a massive pro to what these apps have opened up for people. I guess on the flip side of that, what are kind of some of the cons to online dating, just kind of in your professional uh, capacity? How has online dating changed the way we meet people? I think that anyone would be delusional if they didn't say that certain populations um, are not affected differently by online dating. So we know that, for example, there's a heavier degree of harassment for women generally. We know that women of color are more likely to be harassed and have negative experiences dating online relative to their white counterparts. We also know that women who are heavier tend to also experience different forms of harassment relative to women who are thinner. Uh, I'm not going to deny those things are certainly true. Uh, However, I I do think that the flack that's associated with online dating and the criticism that it's associated with online dating in terms of, you know, it's so much harder to meet somebody because of online dating aren't necessarily true. I think that there is a misplacement of blame associated with dating apps. I think people have long been frustrated with dating, whether it was the bars, people's friendship circles, the neighborhood, whatever it was in terms of the mechanism or institution that connected people, people were long critical of it and had their very large and significant levels of discontent associated with these institutions because it's hard to meet somebody. So whether it is a bar or whether it is an online dating app, you are going to be critical of it when you're not experiencing success. So I think that fundamentally people now say, well, online dating has made dating so much harder. Frankly, I don't think it has. I think that it's just the mechanism or institution by which people meet now. And then people blame it for the issues that they have in terms of finding the partner for them, rather than trying to examine what is actually going on in terms of how they're approaching online dating, in terms of how they're presenting themselves or the partners that they're selecting to go out with. I also really think that dating apps only bring people so far. Dating apps, I think, are designed to be the introduction, to be the mechanism by which people meet. But then fundamentally, dating happens offline. You know, after you match with somebody and communicate and set up a date, it's really incumbent upon you to take it to the next level, to form that relationship, to be able to move forward in a way that is significant. Online dating is not to blame, but rather just the process of finding a romantic partner is challenging, hard, demoralizing. And frankly, it sucks. I've been there. I've done it um, both online and offline. So I I do uh, feel for people who do feel quite critical of online dating. But frankly, I think it's really just the process of finding a romantic partner is inherently challenging. It's not the apps. Dating sucks, which I agree with. Oh, yes. No, I, I do think that dating does suck. 
um, especially when you are interested in finding somebody and are very clear about what you want and have evaluated what you want in a way that is really meaningful and reasonable. One of my favorite parts of dating apps is reading people's bios, because you can tell a lot about a person from reading between the lines of what they write. Short and sweet bios where you can get an idea of their personality are my favorite, because you get a sense of who they are. But then you get bios where they only put their height, which tells me a lot about their personality. And then you get people who clearly copied something from a top 10 Tinder bios list, because every other swipe, it's somebody with the same bio. Dating is about standing out from the crowd. And that remains true on dating apps. Having worked at Tinder, I'm sure you've seen people's profiles and best practices. <laughs> what mistakes do you think people actually make when they're online dating? How much time do we have, Jacqueline? Um, <laughs> there are are many mistakes people make, but I think that the one mistake that people make that really hinders them most significantly is that they don't necessarily try to stand out. They are very fearful of being off-putting and talking about what is unique to them and have a very difficult time uh, thinking about what is unique to them. You know, I've spent countless hours talking to people about their bios and their profiles and studying them, you know, in a meaningful way, uh, empirically. And people really are poor at describing themselves and also distinguishing themselves from other people. When you sit down to somebody with somebody and say, well, what makes you unique? They either, you know, have a very hard time doing it and or are very loath to do so. So I, I think that's what really is problematic. You know, in a metro area like Toronto, where there are, you know, thousands, if not millions of people dating online in the greater area, it's important if, you know, you're between the ages of 25 to 30 and you're within that category or, you know, 30 to 35 or any age category to distinguish yourself um, from the other people who are your potential, let's, you know, use a relatively unkind term, competition. Um, and to say, you know, this is, you know, what makes me unique. You know, if everybody talks about liking, you know, Soul Cycle, brunch, Peloton, and going to the movies and Netflix, that really doesn't make you different. Like, why would somebody like you versus somebody else if that's the same thing that you read? But people like rather banal and pedestrian activities and don't do many things that are really distinguishing or are afraid of alienating people by saying, I really do like rock climbing, or that is what differentiates me from other people. And it also is a signal of other things related to them. So for example, rock climbing would signal athleticism. It would theoretically signal that somebody who likes the great outdoors, somebody who likes adventure, somebody who isn't risk averse. These are all things that would come into play and can be drawn from just that one observation. But if the person says, oh, I like to watch Netflix at night. Yes, you and, you know, millions of people across the globe. It doesn't really help you know why this person is relatively unique. Trying to get someone's attention at a bar versus trying to get someone's attention on the app. It's just the playing field has shifted, as you said earlier. I, I think fundamentally things are very different in terms of people trying to find a romantic partner. Obviously, people are very interested in meeting somebody. And we know from the pandemic that the levels of loneliness have only increased from what we knew were already higher levels of loneliness historically. So I, I think that individuals' concern about alienating some people to try to draw as wide a swath of the population as possible actually alienates the general population. And it would be better for them to be more specific and to hone in and target the people who are going to be most likely to be a match with them than to try to be everything to everyone. Before we ended the call, I asked Dr. Carbino what dating apps might look like in the next 10 years. Online dating is a really interesting frontier. 
fundamentally, I think people have long thought that video dating was the next frontier of online dating. Obviously, the pandemic has accelerated that dramatically by virtue of people needing to be able to meet somehow and not having the capacity to do that meaningfully in person, which has made the online dating frontier in terms of video kind of moot because people independently did that and the online dating apps didn't need to try to develop that type of technology independently of people's desires. It's curious because it's been 10 years this this year, actually, since the emergence of Tinder, which was frankly quite game-changing, as I've mentioned before, and revolutionary. And I, I think that the next frontier for online dating will have to be equally revolutionary, will have to be something that's entirely different and unique and special. And I honestly, if I'm being completely candid and frank, I don't know what that is yet. I'm not sure anyone does. I, I keep thinking about it and racking my brain over it. Um, I, I've long thought about, you know, what actually makes people compatible. I don't necessarily know if the online dating apps do a good job of, of finding that. And I think it would take a really great software analysis and also, you know, people having more, the dating apps that is, having more access to people's data to make those types of decisions. I think that if the dating apps had as much access to data as like Apple does about people, you would be able to probably create uh, much better matches, but it would also be about like Google searching and like how people um, are oriented in terms of like their values and their levels of anxiety and their psychological profiles and using that type of data to try to find somebody. And I don't think anybody has, has done that quite so well yet, because I don't don't really think it's, you know, the fact that both people like Netflix and rock climbing that make people compatible. I think it's about these broader psychoanalytical and psychological concerns um, and profiles that have been shaped since uh, birth that really inform what people are looking for and what they want. Every day our lives become more intertwined with the digital world. And as algorithms and AI improve, the ability for dating sites to better match us with our potential soulmates grows better every day. I don't know how I feel exactly about a computer being able to determine my perfect match. There are some air quotes there, but it's not hard to believe that that's the direction we're going in. It's not absurd to think an AI could determine who you would get along with. Overall, dating apps are just another venue to potentially meet a partner or your soulmate. At the end of the day, these apps have the potential to help you connect with people who you may have otherwise never met. Thank you for listening to Technality a Narcity Media podcast. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. I'd like to thank my executive producers, Owen Leach and Jackie Van Dinter, for the production assistance. And to never miss out on where your future is headed, subscribe to Technality wherever you listen. And if you want more tech content, check out Technality Socials.